Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is sponsored by Casper and Braintree. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I have I'm a video producer at Polygon.com and a human being who does not in any way short circuit like a robot when I try to speak. I'm joined tonight, as always, by Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat, and Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo.com. Hello and welcome, fellow humans. How are you doing? Hello, robot person. What? Who are you? Who are you referring to when you say those words? (laughs) It is not I. It is not I, Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, co-host of the podcast Rocket. That's true. (laughs) This could be a great show this week. I can. I can just tell. Oh, it's going to be a rollicking ride through a series of experiences and emotions. Let's start off with uh, some. Just thrilling news for <laughs> Samsung investors. Yeah. Oh, just thrilling. I'm so sorry. So Samsung has officially killed the Galaxy Note 7 uh, after the initial reports of exploding phones, followed by replacement phones exploding as well, <laughs> including one that exploded on an airplane, which was great, I'm sure, for everyone involved. Samsung has officially stopped production on the phones Welcome to 2016. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, I mean, God, this is disastrous for them. Hugely is, disastrous. Oh, God. Wait, so I haven't looked. Is their stock price okay? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, how no, are they faring? No, 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 no. It, no. it, it, yeah. it, it has fallen uh, more than 10% in the last uh, few days. So they've lost the equivalent of $17 billion on their market cap. So oh that's my God. So, so, so now, now they're, they're a gigantic, humongous obscenely huge company. So $17 billion is a lot of money, but like it's, it's more than Twitter is worth. Right. But like for them, I mean, it's, it's, it's not hugely consequential, um, but it's still a problem. Uh, But, but they, you know, they had to update their earnings for, for their most recent quarter. And they basically had to wipe out um, about uh, uh, like $2.6 billion in, in profits or or wiped out because uh, of returns and, 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 and other costs. So, the, the mobile unit is probably going to report a loss for the first time since 2011 because just the cost of the returns and getting the phones back. And that's not even, I don't even think like putting in the, the, the full like brand deficit or, you know, so, yeah. some, some experts are saying it's probably going to cost them $10 billion is what the, the final cost might be. It might even be more than that. Just, just in terms of, of, of what, what it loses them um, not to mention whatever impact it's had on their stock. So financially this is uh I mean, they're again. They're such a humongous company that they're fine, but it's not great. Like it's it's a it's I a mean, bad the scenario. Galaxy, the Galaxy profits have been dropping, right? Like the Samsung's percent of the market uh, profits has been going down. Or am uh, I mistaken about well, that? No, they were coming back. That was the thing. So okay. so hmm. they were down a little bit last year. That the, the six maybe wasn't as popular as uh, they'd wanted it to be. But the seven, the S seven and the S seven Edge are doing extraordinarily well. And Samsung hmm. historically has been one of the few Android makers who. Actually actually makes money on their phones. Now, they don't make as much money as Apple, but they make money on their phones. So, um, you know, they had a hit with the S7 and the S7 Edge, but I mean, the, the Note 7, <clears throat> we talked about it here on on Rocket before, you know, the disaster. I mean, it was getting rave reviews. Um, I, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. review it myself, um, <clears throat> but I got to play with with them, and I was very impressed. You know, by, by all accounts, it was the best Android phone you could buy. And, and it was a really good design, and, and they finally... You know, for the first time, it was released. You know, a, m- a month and a half before the iPhone, they were finally kind of in a position where a lot of people were actively saying, "I want to get a, a, a Note Seven. The Galaxy Note Seven is the phone I want going to get, e- even over an iPhone." And so, the the timing just couldn't be worse for of all phones for it to have a problem for it to be this phone that had already sold you know, a million units in the United States by the time they did the official recall. And the fact that it did, you know, two and a half million units sold worldwide. Again, those aren't going to be iPhone numbers, but nobody's really iPhone numbers. It hadn't even launched fully all over the world by the time. Oh. I mean, it's dead, but it's st- now, but it hadn't even completely launched all over the world. And in better fact, for them, that, I guess that it happened yes. I mean, before full oh. saturation. Oh, not better for, not just better for them, better for everyone, frankly. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, all, yeah. The people who aren't having exploding phones in their hands yes, are be, also be, benefited by this without a doubt but but you know but this was this was a huge phone for them i mean business wise this was a a really really big product physically also 
Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm sorry. No, you're funny. No, but, but well, I mean, ironically, okay. physically, it's no, it's, you're funny. You <laughs> <laughs> are funny. But, but, uh, Hello, funny. I'm dad. Oh. But, but no, but, but, no, but phys- physically, you know, is actually slightly smaller than the iPhone Seven Plus. But anyway, um, even though it has a bigger screen, but no, I mean, it was it was this was a huge device, and this was going to really be the thing that was going to kind of carry them into the holiday season. I mean, the carriers were all really hype on the phone and, and I think that it's, you know, we talked about the, the Google pixel a little bit last week, but I think that without, had the note seven still been available on on sale, I don't think that interest in the, in the pixel would be nearly as high as it is. I think, you know, I think that right now the pixel is, is both having the advantage of it being the first Google, you know, manufactured phone or, you know, Google designed phone, phone i think hgc is still yeah. technically manufacturing it so but i feel like we launched straight into this topic yeah. without like telling listeners who may have missed this story a bit about it i mean what basically happened this week is verge broke an amazing story yeah. great journalism about a replacement phone uh you know i think Catching did we fire. touch on that we a little bit last week we touched on it um you know it continued this week and, and there were four uh, more the cases. another amazingly reported story of a phone catching on fire uh, in someone's bed. He was sent to the hospital. He got, um, I don't understand, like, was it pneumonia he got from breathing the smoke? It was something really serious. I'm like, how can you get that from breathing smoke? But um, yeah, like, it was a really, really serious uh, situation. And he was actually uh, sent these, um, you know, messages accidentally from Samsung that are beyond damning, like talking about like trying to get more time or just causing him to delay, like really shady stuff. Oh, completely. I mean, they were clearly in crisis mode, you know, I mean, this is before, I mean, the the whole timeline on this now obviously is, is it was about a month ago now that they did the official recall. Um, and it's been about, you know, uh, five weeks, I guess, since, um, there were the first reports, I guess it was like August 29th or something that there was like the first reports that, that the phones were, were uh, catching on fire. And then, you know, Samsung halted production. Then they had a voluntary recall. Then they had the official recall. Then as of the 21st, you know, um, they had the, the new phones out on shelves. And then immediately, as we discussed last week, you had the situation where, um, you know, it, the one that caught on fire on the Southwest flight. And you had this other situation that you're talking about now where, you know, Samsung was trying to buy time and the guy's bedroom blew up. You had another case where, you know, a, a, a girl was was using her phone and it, and it blew up in her hands. You know, yeah. there were there were five cases in the last week. And, and so finally, you know, on Monday... Samsung is is like Sunday night, uh, United States time, Monday, uh, Korean time. You made the decision. We are we are permanently stopping production, and yeah. and obviously that's the right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I have questions, and and I haven't been able to find the answers to this. I've, I've been trying to kind of do my own you know journalism and stuff. It's hard to get anybody to talk, and and honestly, people who have more resources like the New York Times and Wall Street Journal haven't been able to get any closer on this either. But I really want to know how the second situation happened. Because, you know, from what we understand, the first phone, the batteries might have been oversized. It looked like the cables were crimped, and that was what was causing some of the really? issues. Yeah. So, so that really is apparently, you know, there was some sort of crimping of some sort of cables, and the batteries were maybe a little bit too large for the phone. That was the, the first case. The second Ooh. case, you know, Samsung doesn't seem to know. And in fact, there was a story. Uh, there was a story in Bloomberg today, and and it kind of was corroborated by a New York Times story that basically said, you know, Samsung did testing, but they don't seem to know why the the second batch of phones, you know, were, were what was going on. But but it, they're, they're blaming the battery supplier, but it but it, who was different than who they used the first time. But hmm. they don't know. So, but to me. Putting aside the hows and whys that the phone is exploding, was it is it a manufacturing thing with the battery? Is it something about like the, the way that the the process was going together? Is it some sort of you know or the heat control the, chip? Exactly, I mean, that's a really big one totally. too. Totally, but, but yeah, you know what, what yeah. are those things? What I really am curious about, and I would love you guys to take on this, is I don't understand how you know there was two weeks between the official recall and when they had replacement phones back in the United States, and 
in retrospect, it seems absolutely stupid that we would take them at their word for it, that they would do the testing and that everything would be hunky-dory yeah. because clearly yeah. it wasn't. And clearly it takes more time than that. And I don't understand, you know, what's the process going through to test these things? You know, the CPSC, the, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, you know, they were upset that Samsung started to handle things on their own the first time and then they, they started to work it together. But I, I'm not sure what their policy is and how they go through the testing. Are they doing their own, you know, individualized testing? Are they are they taking Samsung at their word for it? What are they doing? Because to mm. me, it seems in, it, it seems ridiculous that a device you know that clearly the, the problem was not solved, and also yeah. it seems it seems obvious. And, and I, I don't want to say this is for a fact, but but it, but it appears to me that the testing was not properly done before they started shipping replacement units, or else they should have been able to find that these things were still having problems because right. you're. It, yeah, no, sorry, can finish your thought. So I just I don't I don't understand how the second phone happened. I don't understand what processes were in place and that weren't followed and why government agencies why the phone was allowed in the United States without the proper testing. I don't mm-hmm. understand. I, no, I think that's a fantastic. Absolutely point. right when you bring yeah. up the 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 period between them us finding everyone finding out that the the phones were defective and then creating replacement phones. You're so right that that was a very short period of time and now looking back on it I'm like Really? How how did they fix, like, prototype fix, put into production, and then ship all those replacement phones so totally. quickly? Like, it definitely, in, in retrospect, with your perfect 2020 hindsight, does seem very... <sighs> Shady's not the word I want to use, but it, ju- it just seems unrealistic. It, it, yes. it raises some eyebrows. I mean, you know, if you back up for a second and ask yourself a really fundamental question, like, how does a battery explode? Like... Yeah, this is a really interesting scientific question. Like it's a it's a process called thermal runaway, which is also called thermal explosion. And what happens is like a, a set of variables happen where if the heat gets so high for something, it causes you know the the material right next to it to fail, which rises the temperature more and then causes the entire system to fail extremely quickly. And the way that this is happening in the phone is, you know, lithium ion batteries are built on you know, many, many different layers, you know, and you've got this really thin layer of insulation between it. Um, but, you know, on one side, like it's an anode and then it's a cathode. So the entire thing is a really volatile liquid. And what happened in the phone, like we do know this, is that a bubble formed because something went wrong heat-wise. And when the bubble forms, it punctures that insulation between the layers, and then you get this thermal runaway effect. So the question is, what was causing that? And this is really hard, Christina, because it's not anything you can really know super quickly. Like, do you remember during Mm. AntennaGate, do you remember Steve Jobs coming on stage and saying, guys, it's been 23 days or whichever specific number of days it was? And, you know, that is a moment I think about a lot here because like going through, like in that example, taking into an anechoic chamber, you know, really figuring out what is going on with the phone. You know, that took Apple a while to run out uh, a software patch. This is a hardware issue. Exactly, exactly. And there is no way with the absolute degree of certainty you can know if it's the heat control chip, if it's a you know a battery manufacturing issue, if it's you know a materials issue. I mean, you just can't know it that quickly. So the I only think way this that it would realistically work is if they had been working on it before the news came out. Which I mean, for their sake, I hope that that wasn't the case because that would be super shady. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea, and and the problem is is that they're not. I mean. One of the problems I think for for the the Western media covering this is this is a Korean company, and so yeah. Samsung, you know, North America only knows certain information. And so I reach out to their spokesperson all the time, and she's very nice and will give me you know the the information she can, and will sometimes you know let me speak with someone on background or whatever. But you know they, <coughs> excuse me are limited by by what they know. And so you're talking about a Korean company that's very tightly held, that's, you know, a public company obviously, but is, you know, has many, many layers of bureaucracy. And there was a report in the New York Times yesterday that basically said, you know, they were 
not allowing, you know, the, the, the way that the testing was done was basically happening off the books and, and, and the way, you know, things are being reported. It, 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 there hasn't been a lot of transparency. And, yeah. and I think that's leading to the uncertainty, which is, for, from a consumer standpoint, only going to make things worse when, you know, the Note 8, if, if the Note brand does survive, you know, or the S8 or mm-hmm. whatever comes out next, you know, because the jokes are one thing and they're not going to go away probably ever, you know, like, Oh, you've got a Samsung. I hope it doesn't explode. It's going to be something <laughs> that people say offhandedly for a while. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys this. I don't think I'm at the point now. I don't think that the note brand can survive. Um, hmm. I, I'm, I think that galaxy probably can, although, you know, depending on how much worse this gets and, and, and how, you know, the recall and everything is handled will, will depend on that. But I don't know if they can release a Note 8. I think they're going to have to call their next Note device something different. What do you think? I think it would be a very smart move. Though I have to say, like the Note fans I've talked to really, really love um, you know, that device. Like We have a, yeah. a new host at Relay. I don't know if I can tell anyone that they are here yet or not. But you know, they were talking in Slack today about just how much they love their Note device, like super passionately. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's very clear to me they're not going to ever get you know, like they feel that way that I do about an iPhone, right? So I think there's a lot of brand loyalty there. But I agree with you, Christina, especially like to reins- you know, get public confidence back. Like they're going to have to quadruple down on testing. Um, and they're, you know, there's a, there's a cultural disconnect. Um, we see this a lot in the video game industry. Um, you know, it's very frequent for Chinese companies to handle the venture capital aspect of game development. And as a result, more games that you could probably guess have to go back and forth and talk to their headquarters in China. And there's just a huge cultural disconnect in right. like hierarchy and how that works and transparency and you know, deferring to authority that just doesn't translate across cultures. And I think that you know, Samsung may prefer to work in this way, Christina, but I think they're going to have to, you know, I think they've got a lot of work to do to, you know, just be able to sell this in the United States because I think regulators are going to look at it very carefully. As they should. Hopefully they'll do that with other brands too. I mean, I think this has shown that even if a, a brand is one of the biggest names in the market, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be ship shape with their products. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, and and it, there there were lots of anecdotes going back to um, uh, uh, Chairman Lee, uh, who was you know the the I guess he's like the chairman emeritus. He doesn't really run the company anymore. He hasn't been seen in public in a while because he's been sick. His son is now kind of runs the company, but in in ninety uh, I want to say like ninety six or something, there were you know phones that. Um, weren't working that they gave away as like holiday gifts. And it was an embarrassment for him that they weren't working. And so he gathered all the employees who made the phones and gathered, you know, hundreds of these phones together and lit them on fire and made them watch and said, you've got to build something that works and that is quality. <laughs> oh my gosh. Love that. Love that. That's amazing. That's a great story. I hope they didn't get smoke inhalation. Yeah, same, same. But, 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 but I mean, you know, but it's uh, what, what there was reporting in, in Bloomberg, a couple of weeks ago, and it's been since corroborated by some other sources in the New York Times, including um, one of their stories that kind of seems like they were so f- they were so focused on having a phone that would beat the iPhone that mm. it almost feels like they they cut corners someplace. You know, yeah. they, they just yeah. didn't do the due diligence that they needed to do. So before we move on and talk on another topic, I I hope I can talk about this, Christina, because you did used to work at Mashable. Yes, I did, but there. There was a story that came out this week that just was not a great you know, just, story. It was, it was. I, I think the word irresponsible is fair. Um, I mean, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can, you can bring it up. I, I agree with you. I think it's irresponsible. Um, uh, I, Mashable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one of their. I mean, ed- you can, you, you can introduce the story. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Basically, long story short, one of their editors came out and wrote uh, a post that is basically talking. It looks at some of the statistics with the Galaxy Note. Uh, they make some assumptions that don't seem. No, he makes to some be very, incorrect math, very, and, 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 and they do some incorrect math. Does, and he does make he, some uh, statistical math that even assumptions. I, I that, could tell was bad. He, he, right, he doesn't quite right, understand right. how probability works, but yeah, uh huh. And and then kind of 
goes on to say how they are going to continue keeping their phone, which I think Yeah, he says you can buy it from my cold, dead hands or or, or slightly charred hands, as I think what the headline originally was. They've since changed it. But uh, Yeah, but but the argument was basically, I'm going to keep my phone regardless. Uh, I just... Don't do that. I don't know about... I don't know about you guys, but when I write things, like I, I have a piece coming out uh, this week. Uh, and, you know, I go through sometimes when I write things like so many talks about, you know, responsibility and political implications and libel and slander. And I'm so conscious of that. So what is amazing to me is trying to figure out how a post like this that could it's not an exaggeration. Get people hurt. Mm-hmm. I just, it seems like I think editorial failure is fair. I mean, do you agree with that? Um, it's hard for me to comment on that uh, since yeah. I know the person who wrote the post and, and, sure. and I used to work at the publication. Um, but sure. I don't think that's an incorrect, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, there there's an editor's note on the piece, but on the, like, saying that obviously the publication doesn't condone it and that it is potentially dangerous. But I think when it comes to that, it's like, then why, why are you publishing you this? Yeah, yeah. Tweet it. Yeah. That, that That's a tweet. That's yeah. not a post. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think I'd have no issue if that was a tweet, but like to put a publication's you know, name on it and credibility on it, especially in the underlying logic was, well, was, yeah. I mean, and, 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 and the one thing I'll say is that it goes against what other people at the publication have specifically written. And there had been a post early, the, the day earlier basically saying, no matter what you do, return your phone. Um, yeah. uh, Mashable took away the Mashable Choice Award, which I don't think has ever been done before, um, recommending the phone and, and, and put a big disclaimer at the top of the review saying, because of this stuff, we can no longer recommend this phone. And if you've got one, take it back. And so – it seems yeah, in see. there's incongruities between those statements of the tech team and this other editor's post. And, and yeah, I, I but, but I, I, yeah, it's, it's really hard for me to talk about just cause I'm yeah. um, <laughs> also disclosure. I didn't have anything to do with the story, but the place I wrote, I, I work for now wrote, wrote, wrote a takedown post of that post. So, you know, um, things are going to be super, um, not awkward for me in the elevator. Um, so heated. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what we should talk about instead? No, but, but I just this episode, what, oh, what, what? This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree. Code yeah, for easy yeah. mobile payments. Yeah. Maybe uh, next year, or <laughs> by next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay. Maybe it'll be the next Bitcoin or the next Apple Pay, maybe even both. Fortunately, Braintree's full-stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds, so you can easily adapt too. Accept everything from Pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you'll have to do is update a few lines of code. Braintree's code is elegant with clear documentation. It supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients, and there are SDKs in many languages uh, from .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, Ruby. So you'll have no late nights, no complicated recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Check it out at braintreepayments.com slash rocket. Once again, that's braintreepayments.com slash rocket. Thank you so much, Braintree, for your support of this show and Relay FM. No, but but it, 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 let, let's just make it clear, though. I mean, like the rocket position, and I think that the the, the only position to have if you have a Note Seven, you're gonna need you need to return yeah. it. You need to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, you know, Samsung has you know flammable uh fireproof bags. They're sending people <laughs> take it to your carrier store. But I mean, honestly, they that's, need to. Because yeah, that's really it, serious. They're sending. It's out not a joke. Well, it's not a joke. Well, no, I mean, it's funny bags. that they're doing it, but it's not. Well, I mean, in the UK, that's overhead. In the UK, the the postal service Royal Mail won't accept people ma- putting them in the mail. So how are right. that, how wow. are you supposed to return? Great. I mean, it's 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 becoming like a, a real problem. And so wow. you know, if you've got one of these things, you need to you need to return it. And and I hope because the original um, process of returning the, the the phones was not great. I hope that now that they are officially ending production, that they do a better job. Um, I also think at this point, as much as people are against the idea of having people remotely brick your phone, I think that given the circumstances, they're going to need to issue a mandatory software update at a certain point to to make the phones non-functional. 
I think I, that, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. If that was going to be on the table, because yeah. and that that's such, it's a, it's a scary, it's a very idea. scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the broader implications of that are obviously not great because nobody likes the idea of their devices being able to do something without the consent. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, 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 I'm, I'm, I mean, I understand that. And, and I am sympathetic to that point of view where nobody wants the idea that something that I paid for, can be remotely, you know, bricked because we're all against that sort of stuff, and, and it, it feels very Big Brotherish. Having said that, <coughs> when the when you do potentially have public safety at risk, I think that that becomes a time where if you can issue something that way, and if people, if I think that it it'll, it'll depend on how many outstanding phones they have, but it might come down to just being the only, you know. Um, safe and conscionable thing they can do yeah, i mean I don't we know. all have that reaction that like oh it couldn't happen to me but like if it was something where if i had just taken my phone and turned it in rather than keeping it and my beautiful apartment that i love with all my possessions and it burns down because i didn't do that one thing because i thought eh, right it's not likely i would feel so bad like that's not only me that is hurt by that that is everyone around me that's a, a few hundred people that will you know be hurt because of that. So turn in your phones. I'm sorry. Wait for the Google Pixel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Unless iPhone. that has problems too. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I like Samsung as a company and I'm sure I know they'll still have their fans. Like you said, they have a lot of brand cachet. Um, but, you know, there are other phones. Other Samsung phones even. Yeah. So, I, I don't understand oh, yeah. it. I mean, I have, a, you know, I have a Nexus. I have a Nexus 6 and a Nexus 6P. And I've got a Samsung. That pure uh, Android here. experience. And I just hate the Samsung. Yeah. I, I have used it with Oculus Touch. And by the way, Oculus went through and killed their support for oh, yeah, um, they, yeah, the that Samsung was smart. Galaxy. That was really Note. smart. That was really it's smart. Very smart. Very, well, there's a liability There is a liability issue. You know? But frankly, especially when you got it on your face, that was, oh. I, was I was really proud of, of, of Oculus for doing that. Facebook did the right thing there. And, and, and people, people complained. Obviously, Android users are like, "I can't believe oh, they did this. This is not cool." Come on. No, honestly, they did. They 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 stepped up. They did the right thing. They did you a favor. Like, yeah. Enjoy your face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really quite fond of my own face. So yeah, I yeah. feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Moving on to our second story. Uh, well, the ACLU found some really disturbing things being done with Twitter's fire hose. But because we have huge apocalypse exhaustion, exploding phones, <laughs> just awful things happening in the world, we're going to talk about Netflix instead, <laughs> which actually so is just as dire, frankly. Aww. I feel I feel just as strongly about Netflix as I do about the state of our country and our people. I, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't talk a serious topic about how <laughs> everything is terrible. Let's talk about movies on Netflix. Okay, Let's turns out it. that in the world yeah. of Netflix, everything is terrible. No, so oh! <laughs> Christina wrote this great, um, great article on Gizmodo looking at what's happening with Netflix, which if you use Netflix quite often like I do, you might have noticed that their selection for streaming movies doesn't feel as vibrant as it did a few years ago. And as you pointed out, Christina, they've um had a few deals expire like in that time one with yep. stars one with um i forget the name epics. of the other what was that epics epics oh yeah one with stars one with epics and mo they're mostly focusing on their original content which is great i love their original content but it's also really freaking depressing yeah um so um this uh this site called the streaming observer uh found out basically uh, I guess that they were people were talking and they were like felt anecdotally like I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I don't know about you guys, where I'm like, God, I can't find any any movies to watch on Netflix. It feels like all the good movies have gone from Netflix. And so they did some scientific research, and so they looked at, took a look at the IMDb uh, top 250. So it's the the top 250 movies as um, rated by IMDb uh, visitors. Now it's not a perfect barometer uh, for 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 what makes a good movie, but it's a pretty good list. And um turns out there are only 31 movies from that 250 that are available on netflix now 31 that's that's not great but what makes that even worse is that two years ago someone on reddit had done the same thing and two years ago 49 movies were available and mm -hmm. so it's you know gone down now obviously the, the the 250 has changed in two years so it's not a perfect comparison but but regardless you know 12 percent fewer movies from that 250 list in just a two-year period of time and I, you know, as I wrote my story, you know, I've just kind of seen it anecdotally where these deals have expired and, and movies that used to be there um, and, and some, some even TV shows, you know, just go away. 
um, because Netflix is really focused all of its budget, and they have an immense budget. They spend something like $5 billion a year on content. Almost all of that money is going towards their originals, and, and less and less of it is going um, towards you know acquiring you know either catalog content or, or or newer releases from from existing studios. And so as a result, you know the flicks in Netflix um, has <laughs> has kind of stopped existing. I don't know about you guys, but like I I I almost never watch movies on Netflix anymore. Not because I don't want to, but because there's very rarely anything good that I haven't you know seen a bunch of times or or that isn't like feels like a guilty pleasure. This has exactly been my experience for like the past month or so because I started I again remembered that I could watch movies because I I get into ruts of watching TV shows and I'm like I can only have a marathon TV shows and I was like wait movies exist Netflix I have Netflix it is sparse out there I'm like Google I'm you know I'm googling up lists of movies that I want to watch like old film noir movies and stuff, Mm -hmm. newer romantic comedies that I'm looking for. And I've just gone through entire lists of like, here are the top 10 of this genre that you should watch. I'm I'm plugging them into Netflix and I'm getting nothing, maybe one. Um, Fortunately, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is still on Netflix, which I'm really happy about. But oh my God. Yeah, it is just... It's really, really unfortunate. And I'm actually curious, um, do you know if there's any analysis of the total amount of streaming titles that are available on yes. Netflix. And that has, that has decreased. So it that has? was a report. Okay. Yes. So that, I'm that, that not was hallucinating. No, you're not. So that was a report that came out a couple of weeks ago that basically shows that there are now like significantly fewer titles on Netflix than there were even a, a few years ago. Um, Netflix catalog now with 50% fewer movies and TV shows. So yeah, basically the streaming blog um, extremist uh, claims to have sources who used to work at the world's largest streaming service. And they estimate that Netflix catalog in 2012, which back then, keep in mind, they had the, the stars deal, which had a lot of content with it, had close to 11,000 movies and TV shows and using data pulled from um, a, a different um, services sites that the current library has about 5,300 titles. So that means in four years, the, 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 size of the library has been cut in half. And um, I know that I noticed, you know, just when you see, you know, the posts that everybody posts every month, you know, what's leaving Netflix, what's coming to Netflix, and you see more and more good things leave. And what happens is that they sign these content deals and some of, some of them are, are, you know, for a couple of months, some of them are for a couple of years, but they sign them, you know, kind of in bulk with the studio to get a number of titles or, you know, TV shows. And at the end of that deal, they can either renew or they can let it lapse. And for certain things, like you don't need to always have the same movie in rotation. You can kind of bring it back and forth. But but TV shows for, are, are one of the things that you, they used to do a pretty good job of just keeping the renewals up. Now they're not even doing that so much anymore. So they're, you know, like, uh, I think Chuck is about to leave because I keep seeing that. You know, so, 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 so some of the, um, I, I think, that's universal who does that some of the universal you know um uh tv shows are going away if they're not renewing their deals and and instead what netflix has seemed to be focusing on is is doing these much broader streaming deals with disney so disney has a really broad streaming deal with them not everything disney is there but but a number of things are so that's why zootopia and stuff is there now and some first run stuff it's coming to netflix and and then they're really focusing um on originals both for movies um you know they have like the pack with adam sandler he has you know a number of of netflix straight to netflix movies which apparently many many people watch um why? and also that's, sad. <laughs> that's I mean, a bigger question here for me why? <laughs> I, agree. <laughs> I agree i agree um but i mean apparently it, it's paid off well for them you know millions upon millions of people have streamed them but uh um even even the direct to netflix ones but also their tv shows you know it's it's all about and look, their originals, like you said, are fantastic. I love their original series. I love Jessica Jones. I love, you know, Luke Cage. Um, Stranger oh, Things is so the, good. Stranger so Things good. is the best show, um, you know, I think of the summer without a doubt. But it, it, the, the movie selection is is really it, it's really sad. And so, and it's not just movies, but even like catalog stuff. So it's like basically, Netflix has this edict where they want fifty percent of their catalog to be original content and my kind of gut feeling that I think that's an admirable goal. And I'm not even opposed to that because if you want to be HBO and and frankly, that's what they want to do. They want to be HBO, but even bigger. But if you want to be HBO, you've got to make your own content. Right. But, but you know, I don't think that that means, you know, people come to you because you offer everything or at least you used to. And that's increasingly going away. And I don't like the fact that to get, it feels like, and maybe this is wrong, but it feels like to get that, help get close to that 50%, you know, original content quota, they're, they're having less content in general. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, God, I hate the phrase devil's advocate. I hate it. I hate it. Ooh. I hate it because I hear it so much and we don't need do any it, more devil's Brie. advocating. Do it. Do it, Bree. Advocate I, for I, yourself. I, don't advocate I, for the devil. I, I, this is my perspective on it. I, I definitely agree. So before Rocket started tonight, my husband and I sat on the couch with their dictation feature in Apple TV and we spent 15 minutes just thinking about movies off the top of our head. Star Trek. Right, like the only Star Trek movies they have are Star Trek Nemesis, oh, <laughs> worst Star Trek movie, just about, yeah. and Star Trek uh, First Contact. And you go through it; it's like there's no Stanley Kubrick. There's, it's really, really shocking. And I, I'm with you, but I also feel like you know, like they just um, put the second season of Scream on Netflix. That season just ended like maybe a month ago, like maybe six weeks ago. And it does feel like they're being very quick to get these shows that like Scream isn't a show everybody talks about, but it's a really good show. And I really love it. And, you know, getting that kind of content really, really quick over to it. In addition, this is this is something I was thinking about a lot with this story. I'm I'm not going to give the name of him, but it's a, a friend of mine that works at Pixar. And they were telling me about how really difficult it was for them to make money from movies because, you know, 10 years ago, everyone would buy the DVD or the Blu-ray for their kids. And nowadays they don't. And if I were a television producer, something that would make a lot of sense to me if I had some really high quality content would be put it out there on Netflix for a bit and make people want it enough that when they want to rewatch it, they have to go buy it. And then I can get that money again. Sure. So I, I can imagine like some of these deals are Netflix being willing to, but the, the pr- production studios gauging it's in their best interest to like hold that back. So, um, yeah. I, th- I think that that, that could be the, the case for some stuff. And I think for some content, it might be. I think in this case, honestly, um, it's the other way around and that the, the, the the, the, the content places would love to have renewal deals because they would love hmm. to have that residual income. And okay. Netflix is simple, simply saying we won't. The, the good news is, is that, you know, Viacom, who does, you know, Scream, if if Netflix, and they've got an agreement with, with them for, for a number of titles, not everything, um, Hulu actually has more Viacom stuff, um, where they can basically say, you know, we will get the the new stuff, you know, within X number of, of weeks at once the new season starts. And, and they have that for a period of years. And, 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 and once it expires, it's... It's up to Netflix to choose to renew or not. And Netflix has opted. The, the, the difference has been that they used to always opt to renew because it was really important for them to have their catalog. And they've opted not to anymore. That was what they did for both Stars and with Epics. And so instead, you know, Stars and Epics made deals with, with Amazon and with Hulu to bring that content to them. And so what we, we think you see, just because Netflix's sheer size is – everybody wants to be on Netflix because they, they want access to that subscriber base. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Netflix is basically kind of picking and choosing and saying, we don't want to invest our money that way. And so instead you kind of see, you know, Amazon will, will get, you know, certain TV shows like, like FX has a lot of deals with Amazon and, and yeah, 24. Um, exactly. And, and, yeah. and, and the Americans and, and there are a lot of um, shows that you'll only see on Amazon and, and Hulu gets some exclusives too, where you'll only see certain shows on Hulu, like the comedy central stuff like broad city and inside Amy Schumer and things like that tend to come to, to Hulu a lot faster than they come to Netflix. And so, um, you know, you start to see this kind of bifurcation. And I mean, I think you're right. I think that there is something to be said about withholding and not making things available forever. Um, but I also feel like there's a certain point if you don't make it available at all, people just either they won't pay for it and watch it or they'll pirate it. Because I think that we're, I, I don't know about you guys, I feel like we're in the sort of a demand economy where if it's not easy and accessible, a lot of people yeah. just find something else to watch. No, I definitely agree with that. I think iTunes prices are also just a little bit high. Like yeah, Star Trek Four, yeah. I wanted to watch a comedy tonight, and it's fifteen freaking dollars for yeah. a movie that's really, really old, and there are right. no bundle deals. I, but I, I, is there is the amount of money that they are spending on content? Is that is that a figure that we have access to? Is it relatively yes, stable? Like your, your no, it's increasing. Is that, 
they've shifted. Oh, it is decreasing. No, it's increasing. It's increasing, so, and it's gone into because it's gone into original content. Originals. Yeah. So, so, I, so, so. I mean, they, they spend five billion dollars a year on content. Five billion. I mean, Jessica Jones is so good. I mean, their original content is it's generally great. so high quality. I, I mean. If the underlying question, I, I think it comes from your expectations, right? Like the question is when I pay Netflix, however much it is a month, like is it $15 now, 13 it's, it's something 10. like that? 10? Oh, wow. Well, nice. That's great. Good job, Netflix. <laughs> like, like, you know, do I feel like I'm getting $10 worth of content? Oh, yeah. And I think that, que- that answer is yes. I agree. Do I feel like I'm getting an infinite library of some of the best movies I've ever seen. So I have to stop buying movies altogether. No, not even close. Right. Like not even close. I probably still spend, you know, buy, you know, three or four TV shows totally. a month and a few movies. So yeah. 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 The way I feel no, I mean, like Netflix can do Netflix. That's totally fine. And I do love their original content. But if what I want is that, like I want to be able to watch, a bunch of rom-coms or a bunch of old movies, it's now kind of, it's very... You've got to um, use another service. You've got to buy... Yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's, one, ser- one other service or multiple other services. Exactly. And that's the difference, I think. I think you're right. I mean, I would never argue that Netflix isn't still worth it because I think that just for the originals alone, it's worth, you know, the, 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 the $10 or $8 or $11 or whatever. I think it depends on how many devices you have connected. But what, like, I think it's worth it, right? But I think that... <laughs> I think it's definitely um you know worth it worth its money and more more than i pay more for netflix if i had to um but i think it's also fair to say that even just a couple of years ago you had the originals you had the house of cards you had the stuff that they were doing and you had city of god you know and and, and you had you know a 2001 and you had apocalypse now and you had those other things too and to me i guess the reason i wrote the kind of the the the, the post you know it was kind of a riff off of of the, the 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 streaming observers um story was just kind of it sucks that this service that when it was built when it came out really was kind of this blockbuster replacement and you could watch anything is now much more pared down and if you want to watch you know what's happened in the streaming world. And I guess this is just inevitable and, and and this is me being cranky, but like if I want to really watch, you know, a lot of high end film stuff, I've got to subscribe to more services. So there's a new service coming out called Filmstruck, and they just got the entire criterion collection. Um, that used to be going there. Well, Hulu used to have it and, and Hulu's losing it as of November 11th and it's all going to Filmstruck. But that's going to be $11 a month or, or $100 a year. There's another service called Movie that has a lot of, of good films. There's, you know, um, Tribeca Shortlist. There's uh, uh, Sundance Doc Club. Um, there are um, – there's the Warner Archive if you like old movies, Simone, which mm-hmm. is fairly inexpensive and has a lot of stuff. But the thing is these are all great, but if you're – you used to be able to get a lot of those things from one service, and now it's one of those things. If you want to get access to really high quality film content, you've got to subscribe to all these other services, and you can't get it in one interface. And that's just sort of that, mm-hmm. that's just sort of disappointing. Yeah, Shaking our fist. Why are there no monopolies anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's a very I don't know. It is interesting, just as a, as a cultural thing, like. Again, with 2020 hindsight, which I'm apparently talking about a lot today, you know, you look back at when Netflix launched and we're all like, oh, yay, Netflix. It totally makes sense that now people who have more ownership of these films and TV shows are like, oh, yeah, let's launch our own services. And then other people are launching genre specific services and and licensing those things like it absolutely makes sense business wise. It's very inconvenient for me, a person who... um, Okay, you know, I don't even pay for Christina. my own Netflix, so I'm going to stop Christina. complaining about this. It's all free for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Thanks it, it, to so, my mom, Christina Warren. I mean, my right, sister. Right, sister. Right. Your sister. Your, yes. your aunt. I'm way too young to be your mother. <laughs> Why won't you be my cool mom ever? It's so disappointing. Hey, guys. You're too young to be a mom. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. And in their efforts to aid your sleep, they have chosen one to do one specific thing, and now multiple specific things, really. But they started with one specific thing, and it was the perfect mattress. And now they have also the perfect pillows and perfect dog bed. They have these things to help you sleep. Sleep so well, you won't believe it. Again, I have a Casper mattress sent to me by Casper. Thank you, Casper. And I had some friends come visit last weekend, and the first thing they said when they stepped into my apartment was, let's try that mattress. And lo, they did lie on my mattress, and there was 
an exchange over which one of them would get to sleep on the mattress with me and which one would have to sleep on the couch. This is a literal real thing that happened. It is such a good texture. Like if you're into soft mattresses, it is it's soft and it has like some squish to it. But it is not disgustingly soft to the point where I can't sleep on it because I don't like, you know, sinking into a mattress and rolling around and feel like feeling like I'm in molasses. I want to be supported by my mattress and my Casper mattress supports my body in my sleep. And today I did not want to wake up. I just I apparently turned my alarm off in my sleep. I just lay there. But, you know, I had a darn good sleep because I was on my incredibly comfortable Casper mattress that all of my friends covet. Suck it, friends. Go buy your own Casper mattress. You can do that at Casper.com. They are super cheap because they take out that middleman of the brick and mortar stories. You don't have to go to a store and try out mattresses. You go to Casper.com, spend 500 for a twin size mattress, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, 950 for a king. That'll be sent to your house in a cool box, a really cool blue and white start box. And you'll be like, what? That's not a mattress. You'll open it. It is a mattress. There's a mattress in there. It's like vacuum packed down to be super dense and tiny. But then poof, it unfurls itself into your bed that you will sleep on and that all your friends will be jealous of. You personally. Oh, and if for some reason you don't like it, you could try it out for 100 days, send it back risk free. Risk free. That's super cool. Uh, I think I've, I've bypassed 100 days on mine because I love it. And uh, it actually took me 100 days to get rid of my old mattress. It just sat in my room looking <laughs> sad and guilty. And I was like, somebody needs to take this away from me. I don't want this anymore. I'm with Casper now. Casper is my man. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using the offer code rocket. Thank you so much, Casper, for supporting this show and Relay FM. We love ya. I could I could just imagine when Kizzy was visiting you last week, like her, because I know her and like her going like, oh, this is such a great Casper mattress, Simone. You just go suck it. This is mine. You're sleeping <laughs> on the floor. I could so easily imagine I could that see, happening. I could, I could yeah. both imagine that. And I could also imagine Simone just going into the, the mention of Casper, just going into an ad read in yeah. real life. <laughs> Literally, I do that every time that it comes up. I'm like, you know, right. you could get $50 off your mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash rocket in the workplace. I'm like, hey, did you know? Did you know? I do it with all of our ad reads. I'm like, yes, actually, let me promote this to you in my real life as well as my online voice life. No, Keezy actually lost the mattress battle. She slept on the couch. Sorry, Keezy. Yeah, yeah. Way you didn't share your bed? I shared my bed with Emmett. He was here. Oh, okay. He slept okay. in the bed oh, with me. Oh, it was both. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, Two gotcha. Friends. Okay. There was a war, just a brief scuffle. No. <laughs> there that was. Sounds, but sounds there like was no actual outcome. like physical fighting. There I'm was saying. just discussion. Yeah. Um, anyway. I would like to see that fight. <laughs> and now I only have one friend. Ah, funny times. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So are y'all watching Westworld? Oh, yes. my God, Simone. So you were telling, like, this is one of these shows that... I love it. You know, there's so many shows that people talk about, and it's like, <sighs> I already have to subscribe to Hulu for Sailor Moon Crystal, and I already subscribed <laughs> to Netflix, and am I going to have to subscribe to HBO Go because of Simone de Rochefort? Am I going to have to do it? And now the answer is yes. The answer mm-hmm. so thank is you, yes. Simone, for costing me... a month or however much it is. I am the embodiment of our story about fractured streaming. Uh, I mean, mean, Simone could always share her HBO login with you. I I could do that because my cool aunt, Christina Warren, um, has Optimum. (laughs) No, so yeah, I was on the... I had seen like a trailer for, oh, well, let's go back and explain what Westworld is. Westworld is a new HBO show that's based on the 1973 movie that's written by Michael Crichton, uh, author of Jurassic Park. You might know him. Uh, I hope you know and, him. And, and, the, and the author of the ER pilot, so the creator of ER. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's trivia for me. I didn't know that. Thank you. I'm going to win at movie trivia that? next time. Oh my God. Wow. So Westworld takes place in the far future where there are robots, super, super lifelike robots, and they basically make theme parks. Uh, Like, imagine Colonial Williamsburg, but where all the actors are played by robots, except this is kind of taken to the logical extreme where the guests are like, yep, I'm going to go to Westworld, and because I'm going to live my Wild West fantasy, and because these are robots, they're not humans, I can, like, kill them. I can have all kinds of crazy sex with them. It's going to be a great time. Um, And this sounds like 
you're probably thinking, oh, HBO with the boobs and the violence. Yes, oh, but yeah. also oh, it's yeah. super smart. Like, mm-hmm. I was actually very impressed. Like, So smart. There are definitely, like, writer Hollywood writers can definitely go overboard with when they're writing about technology. They can go down the route of, like, the technology is evil and we must be careful as humans. I felt that this trod a very a good ground where there's not really any true good or true evil. And the robots are actually very humanized. They're very, very intelligent. And they're kind of, you know, being screwed over by this whole deal where they literally get like killed by people and then repaired and put back out and their memories wiped. Like they are being used by humans. And it, it, it kind of puts it in a situation where, yeah, if the robots rebel against us and kill humans i honestly can't totally blame them because their lives suck um (laughs) yeah what did you guys think of it i don't know if they do suck though i mean it's like see this is what makes it such a good show right because it's so cerebral and it's about it's about human like you you empathize with the hosts right like you Mm -hmm. you put yourself in the robot shoes and the way their memories are just gloriously erased at the end of each day, even though people have, you know, raped them, murdered them, Mm -hmm. abused them, um, tortured them, and they just start over and they're getting out of bed and everything's all happy and sunny. I mean, it's, it's really dark, but Mm -hmm. it's super interesting at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really well done. The acting's good. Oh, amazing. Oh, the acting is so fantastic. Like there, so my the, my story of starting to watch Westworld was I was at the panel, uh, New York City, New York Comic Con panel, um, and they they previewed the second episode for us, which had already been out streaming that week. So I was like, eh, whatever, thanks HBO. Yeah, and right. I watched the second episode, having not watched the first episode. I was literally like mouth open on the edge of my seat, going, "Oh my god!" I got heavily sucked in and um it's really fantastic and they're actually doing again some smart commentary without doing the like everything is black and white and technology is bad thing about video games and open world video games specifically and they talked on that panel about how they were inspired um inspired by and had done research with red dead redemption and the grand theft auto series and how the the way that the guests the human guests in westworld act is very similar to how we act in open world video games where like you go into grand theft auto and you're like morality is (laughs) is subjective in this world it doesn't matter if i you know go driving my car through buildings like and shoot people and steal their cars it's whatever because they're not real and it takes it to an extreme where it's the same thing in westworld these are robots they don't as far as we know, have feelings. They don't even really have memories beyond one day. They're having a reaction that looks emotional when you hurt them, but is that really there? So the people, the guests in Westworld treat them like we would treat NPCs in a video game. Um, And it's really interesting. And I'm very much enjoying it. And I'm curious to see where they're going with this. Um, I think they're, they're taking it in a different direction from the movie because obviously it's like going to be a 10 episode series. So they're not going to follow the movie exactly. And I am not going to read the Wikipedia article for the movie because I don't want to accidentally spoil myself. Same, same. <laughs> yeah, Frank exactly. wanted to watch it. I was like, no way. Stop no, it, Frank. Do not turn that off no. right now. But I mean, so I want to ask both of you about this. So one of the things that uh, a lot of the discussion I saw coming up to to uh, you know, Westworld coming out because I didn't see it until episode one and two had aired was, you know, a large number of the women in this show are, um, you know, they are prostitutes at a, yeah. at a brothel. It does bring up a lot of interesting questions about consent. Yes. And I was expecting it, like to hear some of my friends talking about it, I thought it would just be, you know, Game of Thrones style awkward, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, it was uncomfortable, yeah. but it wasn't... It wasn't exploitive. It no. was about exploring those themes rather than um, kind of, do you know what I mean? Like well, it's, rape it's, porn, I, I guess I was I going say. to say, yeah. I was going to actually use the term rape porn because that is what yeah. happens with Game of Thrones a lot. And I don't yeah. get that sense at all. And in fact, a lot of the, the actresses involved with the show were questioned about it on social media beforehand. And they kept saying, you know, watch the show. We think we handle it pretty well and give us the benefit of the doubt. And I have to say, I mean, it's only been two episodes, so it could change. But 
I think they've handled it. I mean, there, there's been a much more nuanced and intelligent discussion about this sort of issues around consent and about, you know, what, what choices people make on both sides than I think you normally would see on, on television, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I absolutely I don't know, agree. The scene, like there's a scene where they're tweaking one of the sex workers like values to see how effective she's going to be at seducing people. And it's it's. It's interesting because it's making, it's bringing up the nature of who you are <laughs> mm-hmm. and the choices you make. Like, is this just chemicals in your brain? Like, it's super cerebral. Mm-hmm. And such a good parody of um, <laughs> the game industry with uh, yeah. the guy, the guy pitching his new storyline for yeah. Westworld. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Explosive yeah. action. And- <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I felt so bad because Gears of War 4 came out. And I'm sorry, I love Gears of War 4. And I had literally spent all day before like chainsawing <laughs> NPCs with a Lancer. And like it's bonuses no, to not I just feel, kill them, I, but totally to run out there, to them. I'm totally with you there because I am that person. I'm and like, yes, I'm like, oh, that's me yeah. and The Witcher. I'm like, yes, let me roam and kill the beast. <laughs> me with Doom. Yeah, like, Doom oh, is fantastic. such a bad but, person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it's great because it's making me think about these things, but then it's also not, like I keep saying, moralizing it in a way where it's like, you need to really think about the violence that you're doing. Like, it, I think it's really <laughs> just fantastically well done, and I've so enjoyed it. There was another oh there's another point that I wanted to make, and I it's totally escaped my mind. <laughs> oh, well. Can we talk about the, the design work? I mean, it's astonishing, like the special effects. Oh, it's and, beautiful. You know, there's a real dichotomy between the Westworld, like the West aspect of it, and then underground where you see these scenes of them putting skin on, you know, uh, like the, the humanoid uh, hosts. Mm-hmm. And it's just really stark design contrast. It's it's really interesting to watch. Yeah, it, it's so beautiful. <laughs> It's beautifully shot, beautifully colored, mm-hmm. and the acting—the coloring is so good. So good. Yeah. The actors are so good, especially the robot actors who yep. are, have to play themselves acting as human as possible in Westworld, and then play themselves kind of in a, a more powered down state in the quote unquote real world, like when they're they go into diagnostic mode. And they're answering questions about, like, how they're running and stuff. And for that, you know, they're not putting on accents and personalities and voices like they do in Westworld. They're just being robot people. And the acting of between those two portions is just fantastic. Evan Rachel Wood is killing it. She is killing it. Do you want to talk about the article you wrote for uh, Polygon about it, Simone? Uh, I kind of covered that already because I wrote about – I covered the panel uh, where they talked about video games and – But I mean mean, the story you did with with Ben yesterday. Oh, the story I did with Ben. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. How could I – That's a great story. I literally spent half of today – so Ben and I – like the – I love this show because it is making me talk and think about things and kind of idly pondering all these questions. So if you go to the Westworld website, as Ben and I found out, you can quote unquote book a trip and it will give you price estimates and stuff. So we're asking all these questions like, how much does it cost? And like, is the sex included? Like, are they, is it like a mini bar where if you have sex with a lot of robots, are you going to come out of there and be like, oh my God, I spent 50,000 extra dollars because I banged all these robots. Like it's very, the chat bot that they have on their booking website is very unclear. Um, is there a family section? Because there are mm-hmm. definitely kids with their families visiting the park. So I'm wondering like, is there a family part of town where they can't hear like the people having wild robot sex in the brothel? Um, but then the, Oh, this actually, you have reminded me. Thank you. Of the thing I wanted to say, which is that, it kind of raises interesting questions for me about what uh, what the culture in Westworld thinks about violence and sex in media, because it's so far in the future. Like they say, it's so far in the future that diseases have basically been cured. Like humans don't need to worry about getting sick anymore. And there are families with their kids visiting Westworld where in the very first episode, there's like a huge shootout in the middle of town. And these robots who are hyper-realistic and like have red blood and, you know, die and suffer and cry like people do, a bunch of them get shot and killed in the center of town. And this is a park where people bring their kids to like explore and have fun. So it kind of raises the question like, have has that culture, has American culture in Westworld, the show, 
become so inured to sex and violence in media that Westworld is like a PG-13 to them, like a big shootout in the center of town where people are realistically oh. dying in front of you um, and like you're just banging robots like for fun. It's great. It's a good time. Like, <laughs> is that the new normal? And it, it kind of raises that question again without judging too much where we currently are in our culture. Um See, it does seem like a logical kind of extension of the discussions that we've had surrounding sex and violence in video games over the past 30 years or so. Bump that up like 70 years. <laughs> That's not accurate to what our technology will be in 70 years. But, you know, for the benefit of the doubt, they say 2016 on the website. And I'm like, yeah, I wish. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's really... I. You know, it's clear that people haven't gotten to a point where they're post that. You know, like right. a big um, a big theme of the show is figuring out who you are mm-hmm. deep down inside. So clearly, there have to be some kind of societal restrictions on that. So they're they're clearly looking for that escape and to discover themselves. So, you know, but I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, Michael Crichton's other really well known work was Jurassic Park. And, you know, here's another um, story about a theme park that goes horribly awry, you know, with science behind it. So I don't know. Um, I, I, he had to have like worked at a theme park at some (laughs) point as a real bad experiences. Yeah. It didn't work out for him. He was a doctor. He was, he was. Was he a doctor Um, at a theme park? I mean, maybe. (laughs) I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia page right now. But now, yeah. Yeah, He wrote, what was the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I actually don't have anything to say. I was going to talk about how a big theme <laughs> of Jurassic Park is environmentalism, but that has nothing to do with Westworld so far. And the chaos theory. And chaos theory. So, I have to ask you, Simone. So have you ever seen the first season of VR? Because no, oh my God. I haven't. It's like, so good. Genuinely, it's one of the best oh, is it television on ever. It's not. And it's not. And you, you can pay for it on Amazon, but it's not free anywhere, unfortunately. That's ridiculous. I, I wish... I could tell you what it was like. I have no idea what year it came out, but 94. like all of those doctors were so unbelievably cute and meeting George Clooney uh-huh. for the first time. Oh, second that, time. You knew him on, you saw him on Roseanne. That's right. Well, but he didn't really click as much. Okay. Right. And the final episode of that first season where he's like nearly drowning to death and saving these kids. That's the and second season, but yes. Oh, is that the second season? It is. It's all blurred together. But, 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 but oh it's good. Just yes. bringing the receipts oh. today. I'm sorry. I'm the you, biggest ER it. fan. I'm a, huge ER, I'm a huge ER fan. And we're testing 90s, you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not. I would hell, not come hell or high water. That's 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 the the episode where Clooney's stuck, where he's saving the kid from the the pipe in in the well. It's amazing, and the sources so are so good. It's really powerful. And 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 then it, it uh, no, the show is so. Oh my god, it's so good. There, there's the pilot, um, is one of the best pilots of all time, and it was basically almost unchanged. Some of the medical terms had to be updated for 1994, but it was basically unchanged from the screenplay, but that Michael Crichton wrote in the 70s when he was in med school. Um, to when it was produced 20 years later and they had to change a, a couple of things but the, the dialogue almost all of it was kind of left the same and and uh uh you know i i kind of go i think hit or miss i think his later career work sadly wasn't great and and some of his books you know really kind of missed the mark but um i mean jurassic park obviously oh, God, is great yeah. you know he definitely yeah. had some some <laughs> some real clunkers but uh but ER alone uh, for for TV is great, and and honestly, seeing what what HBO has done with with Westworld, I, I've never seen the 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 '70s movie. I've never seen it, so I, I can't yeah. compare it. But it seems like it took you know the best parts of of his writing, where he's so. I mean, that was part of what was so unique about Michael Crichton was that he would combine technology and. Um, uh, you know, medicine and, and science and sexuality and human sort of stuff together. And yeah. th- those were like common threads in, in all of his, all of his books. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I don't know. It, it's a good show. It's a good no, show. His, you should watch his, it. His, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. We should wrap well, up. Well, uh, what are yeah. we up to this week, Brianna? Uh, I've got a piece come out for Quartz. I've got a piece come out for Upworthy uh, uh, and working on my novel. And I got some other stuff working on. Nice. So, exciting week. What about you, Christina? So I'm just uh, continuing to, 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 to work, you know, writing for, for Gizmodo. Um, I've got um, doing a, I'm not sure when it's going to air, but I'm recording something for some MSNBC special Ooh, tomorrow. Nice. Um, oh, nice. fun. So I'll, awesome. be, I'll be a talking head about, you know, some innovators in tech and stuff. So, oh, that's so um, cool. Doing that. Yeah. And, um, uh, that that's that's basically it. 
Nice. And I am, uh, I'm working a lot uh, doing, oh, there's so many Titanfall and Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare all coming out soon. And I'm not reviewing any of them, thank God. But oh. I am doing um, like videos about them. So I'm just going to be screaming for the next month. Um, and But this weekend, I'm going on a retreat to a lake and oh, I am going to enjoy fun. it very much. That's awesome. Can I just say, like, Call of Duty Infant Warfare looks awesome and so depressing at the same time. It honestly does. Haters can hate, but that game looks pretty cool. It does look really cool. I'm going to buy it. I always fall for this, though. Like, Call of Duty has such good trailers every single year. They do. And I'm like, yeah, this new Call of Duty game looks so good. And then it comes out and it's like, it is another Call of Duty game. Here it is. Honestly. But honestly, sometimes Call of Duty is just, I mean, you don't need the new one every single time, but Call of Duty is so fun. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Definitely. Definitely. I don't Doom. know. I think the story the Doom. story game I played where uh, Kevin Spacey is the villain and you get a robot hand. And then for the final battle of the game, spoilers, like Kevin Spacey is hanging off and he's playing his uh, House of Cards character. And then <sighs> you cut off your robot hand to kill him and he falls to his death like uh, like Gruber in uh, Die Hard. Uh, <sighs> yeah, that was a great video game moment, I think. so. That's fantastic. You sold me on yeah. that. Brianna, yeah. where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal on Twitter. Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Snapchats, the Instagrams. Cool. You can find me at Doom Quasar on most of those places. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like it, uh, send me some DVDs of the first season of ER. But before you do that, you should go to iTunes and review the show if you care to do so. Make a star rating if that's what you want to do. We super duper appreciate it. It makes us happy. It makes our network happy and then then we don't get like flogged and mar- march through the the be- the the swamp of nails um yeah that i did i mention that sorry if if we don't get enough reviews mike marches us through the swamp of nails and then Stephen <laughs> flogs we, we, us this is true please don't please don't make us get flogged and nailed because that wouldn't be yeah, great i hate that being be nailed bad. personally it's just the worst um <laughs> so this episode is terminated definitely terminated <laughs> it's terminated terminated